You're listening to RSJ Radio. Good morning and welcome to RSJ Radio. I'm Maya Kapler. And I'm David Greenberg. Today's top headlines. Energy East talks begin. Toronto asked the Canadian military for space to house the city's homeless. And a Bible backlash against Toronto's LGBT community. But first... Justin Trudeau will become the first Canadian Prime Minister in almost 20 years to be honoured at an American state dinner this Thursday. A source told the CBC the event is garnering a huge demand for tickets. Many see this occasion as a chance for the two countries to renew their historic friendship that languished under Stephen Harper. Today, Trudeau is at the Toronto Zoo to celebrate the naming of the zoo's two panda cubs. The cubs' names were revealed as Jia Pan Pan and Jia Yu Yu, meaning Canadian hope and Canadian joy. An advocacy group is calling on Toronto City Council to use federal armory space as temporary homeless shelters. The Ontario Committee Against Poverty says shelter space is at capacity. An official from the Department of National Defense says armories are constantly in use. However, the DND has a history of lending armory space during periods of extreme cold. Justin Trudeau will be the first Canadian Prime Minister to march in Toronto's Pride Parade later this year. Despite Trudeau's support, a religious backlash has just hit Toronto's gay village. Avneet Dillon reports. Mike Ott was walking down Wellesley near Church Street last week. He passed by one of the message boards put up by the city in the area. They're covered with event posters for local LGBT bars. Ott noticed several posters had been ripped down. In their place, someone had left a single piece of paper with several biblical quotes condemning the LGBT community. This isn't the first time Ott has witnessed hate crimes in the city, but he says choosing to target the village neighborhood seems like an odd choice. What really struck me about it was of all the neighborhoods in Toronto that you're going to try and tell people it's wrong to be gay, this maybe wasn't the first that would come to mind to me. <laughs> Haran Vijayanathan is founder of My House. It offers recreational and social spaces for LGBT youth in Toronto. He says the village is not immune to religious backlash. People think that, you know, the village is safe. However, sometimes it does become a targeted community. There's various religious organizations that do support the LGBT community. There's still a lot more that, um, that condemn it. The Toronto Police Department says the LGBT community is one of the three most victimized groups in the city. This incident is not currently under investigation. Avneet Dillon, RSJ Radio. Female criminal defense lawyers are leaving the practice at alarmingly high rates. That's according to a report issued by the Criminal Lawyers Association over the weekend. 20% of women leave criminal defense jobs to work for the government. Only 2% of men leave. Women face low pay, shorter maternity leaves, and sexist treatment from judges. 10 seconds could have prevented one of the worst rail disasters in Canadian history. 47 died in the Lac Mégantique explosions of 2013. The federal government has spent more than $155 million to rebuild the community. Transport Canada's new operating rules will require backup brakes on all unattended trains. The brakes take 10 seconds to set and will ensure rail cars are held in place. The first public hearing into the Energy East pipeline begins tonight in Lévis, Quebec. Quebec Environment Minister David Hertel will build a case based on these hearings. He'll present his findings to the National Energy Board. The pipeline would carry over a million barrels of crude oil from the prairies to eastern Canada. Its estimated cost is close to $20 billion. 
The Garden Hilton Inn, located at Dundas and George, will be torn down to make way for two new condo towers. Local activists are worried about the safety of the demolition. Alexa Daddario has the story. Flyers found at the hotel site claim high levels of asbestos are stored in the building. The flyer's creator is local activist and independent politician Jordan Stone. He says the company responsible for the demolition isn't taking the necessary precautions to prevent a public health hazard. The bottom line for a lot of people in big business is money. How much money they can make and how much money they can save. And public health, for a majority of, of, of people, is, is a huge thing. But for some people, it's not. And that's what I'm kind of discovering. Ron Kepik is senior estimator for Progreen Demolitions. It's the firm contracted to tear down the building. Kepik says they are abiding by all moral and legal guidelines. No, that's not true. That's not true whatsoever. Now that was done. That was called, that's called a DSSR, a Designated Substance Survey Report. Now in this case, the report said there was no asbestos that had been already removed years before by a different company. By law, we cannot tear a building down with any asbestos in the building. Kepik says whatever asbestos is in the building has been removed. We, nobody has x-ray vision. If there's asbestos discovered while well, during, the, you know, something that's behind the wall that we can't see or something like that, then we'll stop the demolition and we will remove it. Dundas Square Gardens will replace the old hotel. Alexa Daddario, RSJ Radio. Sparks flew between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders in last night's Democratic debate in Flint, Michigan. The two candidates clashed over Wall Street, bailouts, gun control, and domestic policy. If you are talking about the Wall Street bailout, where some of your friends destroyed this economy, you know, through, excuse me, I'm talking. Let him respond. Both agree that Michigan's governor, Rick Snyder, should resign. He is facing criticism over the ongoing water crisis in Flint. Nancy Reagan, wife of former U.S. President Ronald Reagan, is dead. Reagan was a Hollywood actress in the 40s and 50s. She helped run her husband's campaign for presidency. Reagan also pioneered the American anti-drug movement with her slogan, Just Say No. She was 94 years old. Vice media reporter Ben Maku is in court facing the RCMP. The Mounties served Vice with a production order last year, asking Maku to hand over all materials related to a Canadian-born ISIS member. Our Katerina Georgieva has the story. Come to me, I will come to you. Attack me, I will attack you. You attack one of us, we will attack one of you. That's an excerpt from a Skype interview between Vice and Farah Mohammed Shirdan, a suspected ISIS member from Calgary. Vice reporter Ben Maku interviewed Shirdan two years ago online. The RCMP has ordered Maku to hand over all of his notes on Shirdan. He is refusing the order. I've never been really afraid of this. I've been really mad about it, to be honest with you. I feel, as a Canadian citizen, that this is a really disgusting thing that the government is doing. Maku says the accusation that he's compromising national security by withholding his notes is ridiculous. Ian McKinnon is the lawyer for Vice. He says if Maku loses this case, it could be harmful to the future of media freedom in Canada. And that's not something that any, any democratic society wants to see, is 
police conscripting journalists as part of uh, and using them as an investigative arm. If the RCMP wins the case, Maku could be fined or face prison time. I think people need to realize that the freedom of the press is a fundamental, a fundamental thing in our country that keeps powers and governments in check and allows us to get information we otherwise would not get. And if you value that and value our country, you should care about this case. The RCMP and the prosecution were not available for comment. Katerina Georgieva, RSJ Radio. A gunman has shot himself dead after a long standoff in Sydney. The 43-year-old gunman opened fire Monday morning in the industrial suburb of Ingleburn. He killed one and injured two others with an automatic rifle. The Sydney Morning Herald is reporting the incident as gang-related. European Union leaders are meeting in Brussels today to address the ongoing migrant crisis. Talks are focused on stemming the flow of illegal migration coming off of the coast of Turkey. The EU has promised Turkey $3.3 billion in aid if it took more steps to house refugees trying to make it to European countries. More than 2,000 migrants continue to arrive off the coast of Greece each day. The assassination of a Honduran environmentalist has sparked protests all over Central America. Berta Cesares was shot dead in her home last week. Cesares fought one of the biggest hydroelectric projects in the world, the Aguazarca Dam. She reported death threats from companies involved in the dam, including Blue Energy, a Canadian company. Clashes along the Libyan-Tunisian border have left 45 dead. That's according to the Associated Press. 28 of the attackers were killed, along with 7 civilians and 10 members of Tunisia's armed forces. The attack occurred alongside growing concern about Islamic State activity in Libya. U.S. and South Korean forces will start a series of large-scale military exercises today. They involve more than 300,000 troops and will last 11 days. The exercises include drills on destroying North Korean nuclear facilities. They come amidst threats of indiscriminate nuclear retaliation from North Korea. The country conducted its fourth nuclear test in January. International Women's Day is tomorrow. But celebrations in Istanbul turned violent yesterday. The city's governor had banned the rally for security concerns. Hundreds of women showed up anyway. Police fired rubber bullets to disperse the crowd, and at least one woman was detained. The Turkish government has been criticized for high rates of violence against women and low female participation in the workforce. Two Canadian men killed in a car crash in Dubai this morning were cousins. James Portuondo of Toronto and Cody Nixon were killed. The Ferrari they were riding in crashed into a lamppost, throwing them from the vehicle. Nixon was a Toronto-area boxer and world traveler. He chronicled his adventures on his Instagram account, Travels with Cody. If you want to dine with the likes of Miss Italy, get ready to be frisked. Italy's latest culinary hotspot is downright criminal. Bolate Penitentiary, a medium security prison near Milan, has opened a restaurant. It's a tasty approach to rehabilitation. Posters for prison movies decorate the walls, including Escape from Alcatraz. Waiters convicted of homicide, armed robbery, and drug trafficking serve mousse and risotto. Customers give it four and a half stars on TripAdvisor. Kendrick Lamar surprised fans over the weekend by dropping a new album unannounced. 
The album, Untitled Unmastered, includes contributions from fellow California rappers J-Rock and Absol. It's been reported the album has songs addressing racial tensions in America. Both Ryerson's men's and women's basketball teams advanced to the OUA Final Four this week. The women's team defeated the Western Mustangs by a score of 83 to 64. The men bested the Lakehead Thunderwolves 93 to 71. R. Connor Hewson has the story. The Ryerson Rams are back in the semifinals. They played in front of two sold-out Matame Center crowds. Sheldon Casame is an assistant coach for the men's team. One of the main secrets is just playing together, uh, trying to make sure that we're getting extra passes, being able to make open shots, good shots for the team. It's really what it, all it is. The women surged to a 21-6 lead over the Mustangs in the first frame. Fifth-year guard Sylvana Jez led the Rams with 22 points. The team won its 10th game in a row. For the men's team, it was all about the defense. The Rams held Lakehead to just 13 points in the second quarter. Third-year shooting guard John Victor McCama says defense was the team's key to victory. We played great. Like we started a little bit like um, sloppy, but Coach Pete did a great job, like he did all year, telling us to lock in on defense. Like he didn't, he, get, he gives us a pretty much a lot of freedom on offense. So uh, defensively, that's when he's really strict, and then we came up big. Next Friday, both teams will be one step closer to capturing their first OUA championship. The women's team will travel to Ottawa to take on the Windsor Lancers. The men will be hosting Windsor in the first round of the Wilson Cup. Connor Hewson, RSJ Radio. An Amber Alert has been lifted after a boy from Aurelia was found. He's between the ages of 10 and 13. Ontario Provincial Police put out the alert around 10 last night. An hour later, the alert was lifted. It turned out the boy had run away from home. He's now safe at home with his parents. And those are the morning's top headlines. Thanks for listening. For RSJ Radio, I'm Maya Kapler. And I'm David Greenberg. Have a great day.